0: Amen. Thank you. you. May be seated. We are in the epistle of Ephesians. We're in chapter number four. We've been walking through this epistle, and uh, we're uh, right in the middle of chapter number four there. And uh, if you want, to open your Bibles. There will be in verse seven. Uh, it'll be on the screen for you as well. And one thing that probably doesn't surprise you is I greatly enjoy team sports: uh, baseball, basketball, even soccer. I've right? I, I played all those sports, I've enjoyed all those sports, but it's no secret if you've been around here for any length of time, my favorite team sport is football. Greatly enjoy football, I've played it uh, and excelled in football other than any other sport that I played. Uh, and it's apparent that God has built me to run over and run into other people uh, effectively because I was an offensive and defensive lineman. So I was really good at running into others. Uh had no problem with that at all as well. But if you know anything about football, the lineman doesn't get much praise. That's reserved for the quarterback, the running back, uh, and the receivers, As a matter of fact, the lineman usually never ever has his name called in the game and we we linemen prefer it that way because usually if the lineman gets called out in a game it's because they either caused a penalty or they missed a block, one one of the two. It's never really a positive uh, thing there. And so uh, if a lineman goes through the entire game and their name isn't called then it's a good thing, you know it's been a good game. And as you know, with team sports, uh, or, or even though the lineman uh, doesn't get as much praise as other positions, I want to stress to you that they are equally important, because without the linemen, the quarterback, the running back, or receivers cannot do what they're supposed to do. If the linemen don't block, then they can't do anything. And if you want an illustration of that, you can go back to last week's Packer game, Um Oh, I'm sorry, was that that still too sore? I apologize. There, okay. Just wanted to give you an illustration on that. So, uh, but the team that wins is the team that works together. The team that wins is when every player does their job and does what they're supposed to do. And when they do that, the team succeeds. Well, what am I, Why am I talking about football this morning or bringing this up? Just like team sports, Paul has been painting us a picture of who we are and where we belong. If you are in Christ and you are a child of God and you are a part of the family of God, and we've talked about that. We talked about our identity. We've talked about being in the family of God. And that if you know Christ, you're in. But Paul now goes to the third logical step here, and what he's talking about, uh, and what we're going to see today is this: that every person, every individual that is in Christ, every one of us who've accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and are now a part of the family of God, listen now: you are vital to the family. You are vital to the health, the growth, and the success of this body that we are a part of. I heard an interesting st- st- statistic. That's an easy word for me. I heard an interesting statistic last week. Uh, and it was pretty sad, actually. A survey was done, and out of the survey, they said that 35% of believers say that they believe they have absolutely nothing to contribute to the church. They have no talent, no gift, no ability no, nothing, and you might be saying, "Yeah, that's me. That's me. I don't, you know, I, that's kind of where where I fit." Well, hold on to your seat because Paul is going to completely debunk that statistic today. All right, want you to know that that is absolutely not true, and we're going to see that every single believer can contribute to the ministry of the church, but even more than that, must contribute because their contribution is vital to the success. Of the ministry. If you don't hear anything else I say today, I want you to get this. This ministry that God has brought us together to be a part of cannot succeed without you. Absolutely cannot. We need all hands on deck. Uh, or maybe if you're from the 80s like me and you remember those things that you would get wheels on your feet and go around in a circle, they would call it an all-skate. Right? Everybody get out there, all skate. Some of you are flashing back to memories of great dates on the, on the roller rink holding hands. Oh, we get to hold hands. Oh, it's so good. Right? Well, this isn't the couple skate, this is the all skate. We all get to go. So Paul jumps into this, continuing his thought in verse number seven. He says this But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. So he gives this blanket statement. And so Paul has just uh, explained. That all of us who are in Christ belong in the family. If you're saved, you're in. Now he tells us that every member of the family of God is given a specific amount of grace. But what does he mean when he says this? It's very important you understand. This grace he's talking about is not salvation or salvific grace. That already happened. You've already been saved, received that. The grace he's talking about is him giving a portion of grace to each person to empower them to minister. Now, it's not given out so that, you know, you get more grace than, than someone else based upon what what Jesus wants to give you. You receive basically it's you receive the grace that Christ gives to you based upon the ministry that he has called to you. And we talk about that as our spiritual gifts and we'll see that in just So Paul lays this out and he says by but grace has been given to each one that's every believer, everyone who is in Christ according to the measure of Christ's gift and in accordance to the ministry that he has and we Wants uh, for you to to have, so this. Grace references our spiritual gifting. As a matter of fact, the apostle Paul later in his letter to the uh, First Corinthians, or to the Corinthians, there says this in First Corinthians: says, "All these are empowered by one Spirit, and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as He wills." So basically, what he says is, those of us who are in Christ receive a spiritual gift. So if you're saved today, you have at least one spiritual gift that the Holy Spirit has given to you. So, you can't say, I don't have anything to use for God because God says, I've given you something to use. All right? The point here is that every believer has a spiritual gift given to them by the Holy Spirit through the grace of Christ. Therefore, every believer has something to contribute. And this means this also, I want you to understand this that every believer is important. All right? You're important. To the cause of Christ, you are valuable. To put it very blunt, if you are in Christ, you are called to ministry, or you are a minister. You have a ministry that God has for you. So Paul lays out this basic statement here, and this is his, his premise as he's going forward. And then Paul, in Pauline fashion, jumps into another topic, that, and you're like going, where are you going, Paul? We're trying to, so you know, if you want to know where pastors first got the idea of rabbit trails, it's the Apostle Paul. All right. So this is a rabbit trail that he goes, but he's making a point here. But when you read it, you're like, what is this? So he says, every believer has a gift. And then he says in verse 8, therefore it says, when he, that's Jesus, ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. And saying, he ascended, what does it mean? But that he had also descended into the lower regions the uh, the Lord reaches the earth. He who descends is one who also ascends far above all the heavens, and he might fill all that he might fill all things. I can't even read it because it's not even. It seems like it's so outside of what Paul is talking about here. You know, uh, it, it's one of those statements where I don't know if I'm supposed to say this or not. But it seems like Paul got into the communion wine for a minute there. You know. But what is Paul doing? Really, Paul is actually doing something very important for us here, but at first sight, we don't see it. What Paul is doing is what all preachers do. Paul is answering your question before you ask the question. That's what, that's what preachers, so whenever we're preparing sermons, we're going, what question is going to come up uh, against this, or what question is going to be asked, and, and we, we, I, actually, I actually think about what goes through your mind, right? Now, don't tell me what really goes through your mind, please, okay? But anyways... And what Paul is saying, the question that Paul is anticipating here is the question that we might ask. Well, Paul, how do you know that Christ gives each believer this grace? And by what authority does Jesus actually give This grace to us so that we can we can do this and Paul what he's referring to here He's taking a verse out of Psalm 68 and equating it to Jesus And he's talking about the power of his resurrection and ascension And basically what he's saying here is that because Jesus conquered death hell and the grave Because he rose again and he ascended back to the father He has all power to give you the spiritual gift that you need and you and let that spiritual gift be used in in you and so, while we could take this passage and go in other directions with it, that's what Paul is trying to say here and trying to get us to understand that Christ has all authority. And so, he establishes this that Christ gives you this gift and he has the authority to give you this gift. So, how does this work and how does this play out in our lives? And Paul starts from the top down in verse number 11, and he says this And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. And so Paul deals with leadership here. He says the first thing you need to understand how uh, Christ has structured his church and structured the power of his church, it starts with the leadership and then the leadership takes uh, Goes down to the body of Christ and so forth. So let me explain this to you. He says he gave some to be apostles. Now, this word apostles we need to understand is not referring to the first century apostles. A first century apostle had to be with Jesus throughout his entire ministry, had to see his ministry, had to be called by Christ to do the specific work uh, and to be an apostle. No one apart uh, uh, after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, apart from Paul, who Christ uh, sent to the Gentile nation specifically, has had that experience. So what I'm trying to say is there are no apostles today as would be equal to the apostles of the first century. However, the term apostle is used and the, the office of apostle is used and what the word apostle literally means is a sent one. And so equivalent to our day, uh, an apostle would be equivalent to a missionary. Someone who is sent by the church to go out and preach the gospel, whether it be f- you know, foreign or domestic, be, be here or there, it's a missionary. They would be underneath that term of apostle. But it's not the apostle uh, with the sign gifts and all that kind of stuff that's in the first century. Are you, are you with me here? You understand that? It's going out and proclaiming the word of God. The prophet again would not be like the prophets of the Old Testament. A prophet was one who proclaimed the truth of God's word. A prophet was one that would go out and would uh, share in, in, uh, in every arena those uh, truths from God's word. Obviously, an evangelist, the person that would be in that uh, sphere, would be preaching the gospel message and going around and doing that, and. Some people break up shepherd and teacher, but I don't believe these are two offices. I believe this is two halves to the office of a pastor. The pastor is to shepherd the body by comforting them and being with them, and then also to teach the body as well. The point being is this. Christ, uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit and the spiritual gifts that are given, give the spiritual leader the grace that he gives the spiritual leadership so that the spiritual leadership can equip the body of Christ. The primary responsibility of those who are in ministry and in the leadership of the church are to empower and equip the body to go and do the ministry. Now, in our Western culture, we have flipped that for many, many years. It's always been, well, the pastor's supposed to do that, or the uh, associate, which is my favorite term, the associate pastor, or the executive director's supposed, pastor's supposed to do it, right? Amen? Uh, you know, pass that off there. Uh, we got to quit changing your title, Dave. i got getting it all messed up up here. Sorry. Uh, or give it to one of the associates or whatever. That's, that's what I, I try to do. None of them have picked up my dry cleaning yet for me, though, but anyways, that's another story. But that's not what we're supposed to do. We're not supposed to give it to the pastor or the associates. The pastor uh, or the leadership of the church uh, is to teach and equip the body of Christ for you to go out and do ministry. And we're to make sure that you are able to go out and to do that ministry. That's what Christ is establishing here. Now, that does not mean, and we'll talk about this a little bit more, I'll clarify it a little bit more, does not mean that we do not have our own ministries to do. We, we absolutely do. So we'll see this as we, as we carry on here. And so Paul continues now that we, he has this leadership in verse number 11, and then he says, here's what the leadership is supposed to do, beginning in verse 12. To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of the faith and, and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of uh, the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, and by craftiness and deceit. So there's a lot to unpack there. Let me break this down into four simple truths of what Paul is saying. The leadership of the church is empowered by God through the spiritual gifts that we have to first equip the saints for the work of the ministry. As I've already said, I want to state it again, it is not the responsibility of the leadership to do the ministry of the church. It is the responsibility of the leadership of the church to equip the members to do the ministry of the church. In other words, the leadership is to come alongside the membership and train them to do ministry. Now, you say, hey, we as leadership, we, we have an out. We just have to teach you and you guys. It's all on your shoulders. No, that's not what he's saying at all. What he's actually saying is the leadership has a double duty, is what he's saying. To, much who, to who much is given, much is required. To be in a leadership position means that you've been given much, and much is required. What that means is this, is that in order for us to equip the saints as leaders, we better know how to do the ministry, and not only better, we know, better should we know how to do it, we sh- better should have done it and do it continually. We're to walk alongside and, conti- and to, as examples and as teachers. It's not one of these things where it says, the Bible says this, here, go do it. It's the Bible says this, I'm going to do it. Watch how I do it and let me come alongside of you to do it and I'm going to continue to do it and while I do it, you come alongside and help as well. And hopefully and prayerfully you go farther than we do in leadership. So the idea here is that the heart of every leader, listen now, especially leadership, listen now, the heart of every leader should always be to work themselves out of a ministry. That's the idea. We work ourselves out of a ministry and equip others to excel in that ministry. That may mean someday if you want to, if the Lord is calling you, you want to get up here and preach. Uh, we'll work together to do it, right? Why is it so important? Listen to me very carefully. It is only when you get involved and you minister do you realize that the church is your church, right? What church do you go to? I go to MCC. Well, I just attend. Well, what, what's your church? My church is MCC because I belong and I equip and I work. It's, it's my church, It goes from being a spectator to being an owner, and that's what we are supposed to do. We are supposed to do that, all right, to build up uh, the body of Christ. Then he goes on here, and he the second thing he says is for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God. So it's not only for you to be able to do ministry, but this is where our spiritual gifts really come into play, is to unify the body. We as leaders are to, to use our spiritual gifting to treat you what your spiritual gifting is so that your spiritual gifting can unite the body of Christ so that we can go forward as a unit into a lost and dying world and win the world to christ the idea is is that there are three lists within the scriptures that that we have of these various spiritual gifts and the point is given here is that each spiritual gift is of equal importance and equal value in the church and every single gift is needed to operate so that the body functions right and that's why Paul likens it in, in Corinthians to the body. If you have a part of your body that is not working right, then the entire body doesn't work, does it? It's very difficult. It's, and so what happens is, is that we as a church, if we don't have every gift uh, being used in the ministry, then the, we are not working the way that God wants us to work, and it's equally important, the gift that we have. You say, well, we as leaders are to do this. Well, how do we equip you to do this? How do we help you to do this? Well, of course, obviously being in, in church service and hearing preaching, being a part of our Sunday school class, we'll do that. But we also have uh, specific ministries to help equip you. Now, one ministry that we have here that that maybe you've heard about is we we've been calling it lately our membership class, and we really need not to call it our membership class. It is. We want those of you that are new, you'll learn about membership and stuff. But it's really our foundations class. And what we want is if you're new to uh, our church, we want you to learn about our church so that you can uh, know what's going on, but we also want to teach you what it means to be a disciple. We want we will go through your uh, spiritual gifting test so you can learn what your spiritual gift is, and we'll, we'll teach you and train you how to apply that and put that into service here in, in the church. So it's an idea of, hey, if you're coming on board, we want to help you and equip you so that you can say, yeah, I want to be a part of this church, and now that I'm a part of the church, I want to plug in somewhere and be used." And when we started this foundations class, the one thing that we talked about as elders is that, yeah, we're going to set it up so that uh, our new people that come in will, will be a part of this, but every believer, no matter if you've been here for 20 years or you've only been here for a few months, you need to go through this class. You need to be a part of it. And that's why we offer it because it's more than just, hey, hey what's MCC about or come and be a part of this and stuff. Those of you that have gone through it, is that right? Yeah? Right, okay. Okay. See, I don't lie up here. All right. Number three, he says, to go through this to mature manhood or womanhood. All right, he's talking about, it's in the masculine there. So that we mature to the measure and the stature to the fullness of Christ. We are to equip one another and we are to teach one another so that we know our spiritual gifts so that we can do ministry. But also the end result of that is that we're mature. We're in Christ. Would you agree with me that there's nothing sadder than talking about in the physical realm an adult that never grows up? Right? They, they never, ever grow up. And we see that and we look at that in the world and we're going, ah, I can't believe that person never, never has grown up. But the truth of the matter is there's a lot of us that have been uh, believers for many, many years. But spiritually, we're infants. We're babes we don't know the truth we, uh, we we don't know what the word of god says we can't do the ministry we can't sustain which says which means that because uh being spiritually immature paul says this is what happens he says in ver- he says at the end of that passage so that we may no longer be children we need to mature in christ so that we're no longer children because children are tossed to and fro by the way by waves and carried by every Wind of doctrine, meaning this: you're easily, you're you're easily um, duped. That's the word I want. You're easily duped. You don't know the truth. You don't you don't know what the truth is. There's a statement out there that uh, says this: if you stand for nothing, you will fall for anything. But do you know how you stand? By knowing the truth, by living out the truth, by applying the truth. If you don't know the truth, you can't stand. For anything. So Paul is saying here that the key ministry of the leadership of the church is to help you grow, help you to mature, help you to know your spiritual gifting. Why? So that you can stand firm underneath the wiles of the devil. So you can stand firm in a a firmless world. So that you can know the truth and the truth will set you free. And then so that you can take what you know and take that and plug it into the ministry of the church. The only way to stand strong is to be mature in Christ, to know the truth of the Word of God, and to live His Word out in your life so that you are able to powerfully minister to the body and in the spiritual gifts that God has given to you. This is the heartbeat of Christ. And you know what? It's the heartbeat of our church. As a matter of fact, we even took this, we we believe in this so much, we made it our vision statement. It is our vision statement that we are committed to discipling members to become mature believers that are grace points making a difference in their communities. Mature believers who will go out and stand firm on the truth of the word of God no matter what comes against them and still be able to give God's grace to a broken and dying world. That's our desire for every single one of you. Every person that is part of this body. And so Paul concludes with this powerful word picture. He says in verse 15, he says, Rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. He says, don't be immature. Rather than being immature, our goal is to be as mature as Christ. That's from the leadership down. To be Christ-like It's to be a Christian, right? To be as mature As Christ, living and speaking the unapologetic and uncompromising truth of Christ, so that everyone who sees and hears will be changed to be like Christ, the lost to be saved, the immature to be matured, the mature living and ministering like Christ. The result of which creates a body of believers that are unified in love, equipped in ministry, empowered to minister, and mature enough to reach this world with God's amazing grace. That's the grace that Christ gives through the power of the Holy Spirit in our spiritual gifting. Church, can you imagine? Will you imagine with me for a moment? Can you imagine what a church like that can do? Can you imagine the power of a church like that and the power that a church like that would have? Can you imagine the souls that would be saved? Can you imagine the lives that would be changed? Can you imagine the bondage that would be broken? Can you imagine the love that would be shared? Can you imagine a church so powerful that as the Bible says, the gates of hell will not prevail against it? That's what... Paul is telling us that Christ is calling us to, and this is the gifting of the spiritual gifts that he gives to us so that we will accomplish it. God never calls us to something that he doesn't empower us to accomplish. This church, this is the church that Christ died for and that God is calling us to be. This is the body that you have been called into, and this is the ministry that you have been empowered to do. So I challenge you. I challenge you, church. Quit sitting on the sidelines. Quit just filling a seat. Quit making the church and the ministry of the church secondary in your life. Step out into the ministry that you have been gifted to do. You have been gifted by God to do a ministry. Learn it, grow in it, and use it. And we, as leaders of the church, will come alongside you and help you in every way possible to ensure that you will succeed in doing it. Not only do you have the church coming alongside of you, but you have God empowering you. Can I be honest? church, we need to get a hold of this now because, quite frankly, time is running out. This world is on its way to hell, and the church is the only answer. And you, and you are the key to the church's success. So I'm going to leave you with this one thought. I wanted to get it to rhyme so that you would be able to remember it. Because time is running out. Church, will you be swift to use your gift? Will you be swift to use your gift? Will you stand with me this morning in God's house?